In this series, lowimpact.org and the Open Credit Network talks with people working to build a mutually owned, democratic, decentralised economy that builds community and doesn't destroy nature. We want to increase collaboration to bring about system change. Find links to the sites mentioned in the videos in the description below. Join the conversation by liking, commenting and subscribing to our channel. So today I'm talking with Paul Jennings who lives on a small holding in Pembrokeshire and built his own home, a straw bale house, um, under the One Planet Development Policy that exists in Wales, but not in England. Hi Paul. Hi Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, so first off, could, could you explain the One, Develop One Planet Development Policy for us? Uh, I can. I'm, I'm not an expert, uh, even though I live on an OPD. Uh, the policy came into existence in 2012 uh, under the devolved Welsh Government um, and it gives people the chance to, to live in greenfield developments where normally you wouldn't get planning permission um, if, if they can conform to quite a, a strict um, list of rules about the nature of the development and how they live and how they make their livings. Um, Anyone who's familiar with permaculture design would, would recognize the, the inspiration behind those rules. Um, and those of us who had any experience of the low impact development movement in the 90s and earlier, very familiar with the kind of the inspiration, the driving force behind these, you know, behind this, the, the elements of this policy. So, for example, uh, the dwellings need to be new, uh, carbon neutral in construction and, and in use. Um, you need to grow a, a fairly high proportion of your own food. Um, there, are, there are requirements to generate your own power, to deal with your own grey water, to deal with your own sewage, not to create demands on the local infrastructure, essentially. And then there are demands around having a land-based business, developing a land-based business that meets your, your minimum financial needs. So it's not, um, as some critics of the policy have suggested, it's not self-sufficiency but it's, it's some kind of land-based business that goes towards meeting your needs. So what, if you did, so what if you did decide that you wanted to be self-sufficient and you wanted to sort of drop out of the system and would they be able to do anything about <laughs> that? I mean, would you, once you've built your house, would they say, oh, no, no, you need to have a business contributing to the yeah. local economy? Yeah, so, so um, that contribution to the, to, the local, to the local economy, so that... Uh, I think a, a kind of an imagined um, renaissance of, of Welsh rural society, if you like, is uh, is built into the policy. It's a, it's an assumption that's that's written into the policy, um, and we have annual uh, reports. So we have to we have to report on our progress towards meeting the policy um, the policy requirements, and that goes on for in in the in the first instance for five years. But just like any planning commission, which is under, um, you know, certain um, requirements, if those requirements are ever not met and, and uh, you know, and raised as a complaint, then we could potentially, you know, lose our planning commission. It's, it's sort of like a, uh, it's sort of like a, um, an old fashioned agricultural tie, except we're tied to this one planet development policy. And would you be would you have been able to um, to build your house on your small holding without the one planet development policy? Well, well no, well, no, absolutely not. Um, gen one of the complaints, again, from people who were who were opposed to the policy and who uh, still to this day oppose individual um, 
examples of it coming into being is that you know they're not allowed to build outside of development envelopes so why should we be so the people in the local village who were initially opposed to our to our project um uh you know had this problem because the the local village has a quite a, a strict development envelope around it so well, it's a bit, I guess, I mean, what's the thinking behind the one planet development policy? Is it, is it just to um, stimulate uh, rural agricultural economies and, and uh, encourage small farmers? Yeah, I, 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 I think in, 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 um, in one sense, it's about trying to bring back uh, uh, a rural economy and rural society which has which has vanished that was clearly an inspiration behind the development of the policy in, a, in another sense it was also inspired by the, the whole low impact development movement you know the whole Simon Fairley um, uh, you know people in vendors living in the woods because we couldn't because we didn't have the right to live on pieces of land so there, there are a number of strands Dave I guess for people trying to get into farming, you know, they'd like a small holding. If there's a farmhouse already there, the small holding might be too expensive. And, it, and if there's no house at all, the, the planning system prevents you from building one. So you're stuck. Yeah. So uh, yeah. one plant development sounds like, a, sounds like a great idea to sort of allow people to get back into farming. I, I think potentially it is, and that was clearly a, a thought. And 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 again, clearly, you know, one of one of the strong um, one one of the strong uh, influences on the low impact development movement. This notion that we can't all afford uh, a house in the countryside or a small holding. I, I guess you know, you know as well as I do. When you and I were kids, there were still small holdings in villages in England, and a lot of those small holdings have gone now for the simple reason that it, it's virtually impossible to to get into that entry level small holding small farming unless you're unless you're minted unless you sell somewhere in london and you know move on to a piece of land with a with a, a uh, with a very fat checkbook and if um, you do, if you do that you're unlikely to have the right skills aren't you <laughs> well yeah people, i mean i'm not saying that hobby farmers i don't even like that phrase particularly i'm not saying that people who come to it when they've retired or sold the property can't develop the the skills um uh, yeah, I, I, it's just it's a it's a steep learning curve moving onto the land, I guess. A lot of us, uh, like I, I, I worked in organic farming for a number of years before Sarah and I managed to get onto our own bit of land. Um, so I, I was lucky enough to acquire those skills. Um, but yeah, without without OPD, well, you know, in our case, without OPD, we would never have left our stone our stone shack in the mountains in France and come back to the UK because we saw no other way ever to live on the land. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's true for a lot of people who come into OPD, that it's, a, um, it's an avenue to do something they've wanted to do for a long time, but which seemed out of reach. In that, in that sense, it's, it's, I think it's moving in the same direction as the Ecological Land Co-op uh, in, in England, well, and, and in Wales now. And what was your experience with the OPD? Was it an easy process? Um, it was easier for us because we did it as part of a group. So we could put our heads together and we are very lucky to have some um, very knowledgeable, very well organized neighbors on this project who helped us through that process. Um, Sarah and I had been through a couple of planning processes, one in this country and one in France. And I think we would have fought shy of getting involved in another one if it hadn't been for this for this collaborative um, effort. The 
the the planning process itself and putting the project together wasn't so hard for me because I have a background in permaculture design. So I could have done it on my own if I'd had the moral strength to do it, you know. Um, but I, I think it does um, put some people off. It's, it's a daunting process uh, if you're not used to putting together land-based or ecological building projects. Past, past that, of course, all of the obstacles were political. The, the, the obstacles with the local council, with local opponents, with people who don't understand the policy, who don't want to engage with the policy. Uh, and I'm not saying that some of the criticisms of the policy aren't valid, um, but our, our application was actually the, the first um, OPD application in Carmarthenshire. Um, and we were refused at, at the first time through the, the planning committee, even though it was quite clear um, to, to everyone involved, it seems to me, but particularly to the chairman of the committee, that our application fulfilled all of the requirements under the policy. So there was a certain amount of bloody mindedness going on, which which caused an awful lot of stress um, and and division between those of us who were involved in the project, you know, because people under stress tend to argue with one another more um, and, and, and discomfort, you know, people living in rented accommodation, having to pay for that, or in our case, being in a mobile home, going through two winters in a mobile home, which was unpleasant for those of us who, who thought we'd done our time in caravans and mobile homes. Um, so it was it was long and drawn out and people are still going through this because obviously, although it's a national policy in Wales, it still has to go through the, 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 the you know, the lens of whatever local authority you live in, whatever, whatever the local situation is, um, which is enormously variable. Carmarthenshire, mm -hmm. not so great in terms of in terms of the political landscape. Oh, you're not in Pembrokeshire, you're in Carmarthenshire. We're, we're just over the like over my shoulder is Pembrokeshire. Yeah. Oh. And can can people get any help with the pro with going through the process? Yeah, because there's quite a community now of people who have been through the process. So the there's an organisation which is a voluntary organisation called the One Planet Council. Um, one of our neighbours again, uh, Erica, is quite prominent in organising that, and they're very helpful. And there are lists of resources available. Pretty much everyone who's been through OPD is is happy to reach out and help other people. And there are open days and gatherings. Um, also, the OPC has reached out to, to planning officers, and planning officers aren't necessarily the the biggest problem because they tend to have engaged with the policy and have been invited to engage with the policy with those of us who've been through it. So they tend to understand it a bit more than local politicians or, or folks locally. Um, so you could go to your local planning officer and have a really great conversation about OPD in, in some local authorities. And, and they would say, yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. You know, as long as you're obeying the policy, you'll be fine. And then you still find that there would be significant bumps in the road afterwards, um, you know, political bumps in the road. What do you think about the policy now? Is it still going strong? Could it be improved? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it could be improved. Um, one, one of the problems with the policy is that, that is the land, the market in land. It's expensive. So even though it's cheaper than buying a house, you still need to find a lot of money. Uh, if, if, if the intention was ever to encourage uh, you know, working class families to come out of Swansea and start small holdings, um, that, then that's then that's clearly failed because the, the people who who 
quite often in my experience express an interest in doing things like OPD, just don't have the money without getting into debt. And speaking from personal experience, um, you know, something which is widely understood in, in permaculture circles, it's very difficult to get a project off the ground when you're trying to, to pay down debt. So, you know, you might buy yourself a bit of land, build yourself a cabin, but then be totally stuck because every month you've got to raise whatever it is to, to, to pay your debt down, um, which is paralyzing. Uh, so I, I think that's a major problem with the policy. And obviously, if there were 10 times as many people or 100 times as many people getting involved in it, um, then that, that, that would change the market in land and, it, and make it less accessible. Um, you know, so it's a major, it's a, it's, it's a major sticking point. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So are land know, prices rising in West Wales as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think when in the in the mid nineties, when I when I started getting involved, when I was working on a box scheme in Buckinghamshire, uh, you, they used to say it was fifteen hundred pounds an acre for <laughs> for agricultural land. Well, you imagine what that is in Buckinghamshire now. But here in Wales, we paid. £8,000 an acre for this land. So our five acre bit of this 20 acre development is 40 grand plus the legal fees. Then you've got to build something to live in, right? And, and like Sarah and I came here with next to nothing except a bit of debt and some money that was trickling in from having sold our, our place in France, you know, to friends. Um, and and yeah it's really really tricky and i know other people in our situation who are coming in at, at sort of our end the low the low war chest end, the small war chest end have found it really problematic it, again if you've sold a house in the southeast of england right or you've spent 20 years in a well-paid job and then you come to west wales west wales seems cheap mm. um but but if you're not then it's it's expensive and it's not so it's not it's not meeting the social need that's there for people to to come back into the countryside to revive the countryside mm. and, and related to that of course there's another problem which is um i mean i i, I it's, it's possible i'm wrong in this my perception is that the vast majority of people involved in opd are english incomers i was going uh, to ask about that is that is yeah. that problematic well, I, I think it is problematic. Uh, I mean, I sometimes I sometimes joke with people. You know, I mean, clearly, I'm I'm English, right? I'm a I'm a Buckinghamshire lad, but I sometimes joke with people. The only problem with Wales is there are too many English English people here. I, I think it is I think it is problematic. Um, it's problematic culturally. Uh, it's problematic for the Welsh language. It's also problematic for what the policy intended, because the policy isn't intended for well-heeled English incomers. Mm. Um, you know, and I can genuinely say to people, look, I love Wales. I, I went to university in Wales. I've done my best to learn Welsh. Lots of OPDs are learning Welsh. Um, but, you know, where are the young Welsh kids? Uh, you know, the, those working class kids from Swansea or working class kids from Planetley or wherever. Where where are they where, with OPD? You know, and, where, and where's the Welsh speaking community coming in with OPD? The perception, of o, the perception of OPD is very much that it's a middle well-heeled middle class English hippie uh you know policy which is helping as far as some people are concerned the the erosion of traditional welsh society you know um yeah. whichever side of that argument you come down on clearly it's a problem clearly something's not being addressed i guess there needs to be subsidies for young welsh people to get get their hands on the land don't they, don't they? yeah 
yeah absolutely it's it, it's uh, you know once you've got uh, this is the problem of course we've got a policy it's a bit like the future generations act in wales we've got a policy which is coming from a really good starting point aiming to do really great things great things that a number of us have been involved in demanding fighting for you know spending years uncomfortably living in woods um to, to gain um but it's but it's operating in a in a um in an environment with a capitalist market in land you know free market in land which makes it really difficult for that policy to get traction to, to do the things that it might do if there were you know if there were different circumstances in that in that in that market or 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 government policies that could help people onto the land um you know opd would look very different in a socialist country mm. that's one way of looking at it i think so how effective has it been do you know how many homes have been built on small holdings under the under the opd yeah i mean i don't know the exact number i think i think the the a really good a really good signifier of it is the people that i know who really keep in touch with the way the policy is going are have lost count of how many projects you know are, are going now around wales so it's probably past dozens now uh, you know um i wouldn't be surprised if someone turned around and said to me there are there are more than a hundred or or even hundreds of opd applications and probably dozens of projects underway. It's a it's a tiny, tiny scratch on the surface um, in terms of the Welsh economy yeah. or sustainability, you know, or developing an ecological rural um, uh, community, you know, wider than a few houses or a few individuals. Um, there's no way that there's no way that that OPDs as it stands are going to make a significant contribution to to feeding Carmarthenshire's 18, 90,000 people or whatever it is, if if there are food problems at the end of this year through no deal, you know, no deal Brexit or whatever might come along. So it's really, really early days. And and I could imagine a situation where if the policy is kind of uh, left to wither on the vine, it ends up just like looking in, in a few years time, looking just like the, the land settlement policies that were adopted after the first war after the second war which became um you know historical curiosities mm. that, that that's that's the problem eventually this this pool of people with enough cash to set themselves up the well-heeled english incomer is gonna is gonna be you know be exhausted all the all the opds that might be started are going to be started and it will become a little bit of irrelevance to the of an irrelevance to the wider yeah. Welsh economy, so the Welsh community. I can't remember um, what. Um, I know there was a suggestion that it might be a good idea to extend the LPD policy and the One Planet Development policy into England as well. And I, and I think uh, Simon Fairley wrote an article. He wasn't too keen on that idea. He didn't didn't think it was the best way to go. Do you, do you think there's there's a, there's scope for it in England and Scotland and other countries? Well, I'm. I, my position hasn't really changed. I mean, we we use we used OPD as a way of um, getting something that we've wanted for a very long time, and we've and we're struggling to make it work. But my position hasn't really changed since I read Simon's book. Uh, you know, in the in the early '90s, low impact development, and I, I believe his argument was that there should be another category of of planning development, which you might call permaculture, somewhere between business and residential. 
kind of a an ecological small holding planning category. So uh, you know, I, I I think that would work across the UK. According to the Permaculture Association, again many years ago, there were hundreds of thousands of people who wanted to move back into the countryside. The the problem, I, as I said, I don't think the problem is with the idea or with the policy. I think the countryside needs more people. The problem is with the market in land. Because I, I, ideally, I mean, coming at this from a design point of view, where would OPDs be? OPDs would be around the settlements where their produce would be useful, right? We would have what's called peri-urban permacultural zones around towns like Aylesbury, let's say. Or, or, or even, you know, penetrating into London so that, so that you have less of a kind of a stark division between urban areas and rural areas yeah. so that the work that we're doing becomes relevant to people in, you know, our local town of Whitland or Carmarthen or Llanelli or Swansea. Um, but, but of course, land gets more expensive the closer you come to urban settlements yeah. because of speculation in land prices. Yeah. So... Um, we have a fundamental lack of join, of joined up thinking. Um, yeah. Of course, of course we do. You know, we I, don't I need do to reverse those problems. People. I do meet lots of people in London who, when they know that I work for an environmental organisation and um, I used to be involved with the Ecological Land Co-op and I start having a conversation with them and so many people say, my God, I wish I could just have, just give me five acres and yeah. a little farmhouse and just let me be a small holder. I'd, I would absolutely love it. But really, it's just a dream. They have no roadmap to that kind of a future at all. And they have no idea how to do it. They, but they said, I just feel completely stuck. My job is utterly pointless. It's just to make enough money to pay the mortgage. That's, it's, I find it difficult to get out of bed in the morning. And I've, and I've had that conversation with, with, um, uh, with builders and with bankers. It, it's yes. really so many yeah. people. Yeah. I had a conversation with a banker and I thought, oh, you know, he's not going to really be on side with me at all. And he said, no, he said, I used to be an architect. I, I, I could actually build my own house. Yeah. And uh, I would love, you know, give me 10 acres in the countryside and, and I, I would be a farmer. I would love it. Yeah. Far better than banking. I, I have no idea how I'll get there. Well, there are so many advantages. You know, we go back to, we go back to classic 19th century arguments about the, the, uh, the nature of work, you know, work with, by hand, work by brain, good combination of the two, making, a, making for a happy life, all of those kind of attract, uh, attractive elements of small farming. Changing the countryside would be extraordinary as well. Yeah. Um, you know, get, having proper rural communities and, and much, much smaller land holdings. Um, yeah, but... It, I can't say that o, OPD is kind of half a map. You know, it's a way. It's a way to get people doing something which looks like it might be moving in the right direction. Um, but the most impressive, the most impressive OPDs have been created by people with more money than most of us in in you know in the UK can dream of putting yeah. into a project. That, that's the truth of it. And uh, you, so when you talk to working class people who say. I would love to have a small holding, but I can't do it. They're talking about OPD. They're talking yeah. about what they see, you know, in yeah. ways. And you talked about farm size. I think that farms only get government subsidies over a certain size, don't they? Yeah. And, that, and, and actually that runs through grants as well. So it's very difficult to get grants for, for any land-based project unless it's on a holding. Uh, I think it's eight hectares uh, in in a lot of cases. You know, that's more than eight hectares. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, 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 uh, 
I talk with um, community supported agriculture people and they say that's a major problem for community supported agriculture because almost all of their farms are less than eight hectares. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and they, so they don't get any government support at all. I mean, I don't, no. know if that could, I don't know if that could possibly change out of the EU. I don't know. I guess not with this government, but... No, <laughs> it could do with a government that's committed to, to ecological land management, um, you know, integrated with, integrated with, with an attempt to create a kind of sustainable rural society. But, you know, we, we, don't, we don't have that at all. Um, so there's this, there's this interesting perception um, in Wales around OPDs, you know, amongst the general public about what OPDs are, what it means. People will, one of the most often uh, things you hear most often is people saying, oh, well, they're not making a living. They're not making a living down there, you know, as if anyone in the countryside is making a living without subsidies, actually. You know, we don't have subsidies. Yeah, it's really, really difficult in West Wales to make a living from five acres of land. Um, apart from anything else, this is the poorest region in northwestern Europe, bar none. So if you're, if this is another one of Simon Fairley's points, how many, how many people can Wales support? How many people make, um, you know, producing organic salad bags can Wales support? Uh, not, <laughs> not very many. You know, if I produce a bag of organic salad, really nice, you know, what you might call an artisanal bag of mixed organic salad. Uh, and then I go down to the co-op in Whitland where there's bags of salad going for a quid. Yeah. And, I, and I, then I, so I have to sell my bag of salad for a quid. I'm selling that bag of salad for the same price that I was selling mixed salads at Tring Farmers Market 25 years ago. Yeah. 